Thank you. Oh, what a privilege to be up here this morning. I never thought this day would ever come, but hey. Um, the name of Jesus, that last song, wasn't that wonderful? That how powerful his name is, how just the whisper of his name makes the darkness tremble. So, um, as, as Unja referred to recent, uh, recently, but between Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday last week, we were having a time of prayer and fasting in the church, and the Lord was calling us to go deeper as a church, go deeper into the things of God. And then we had that wonderful uh, talk, didn't we, from Paloma from Toronto last week, and she was talking about wading deeper into the river. And I just feel that, yeah, the Lord is calling us as, as a church into a whole new season. And as we go deeper into the Lord, you know, the enemy of our souls, he isn't interested if we're just sitting on the sidelines. We can carry on having church and he won't trouble us at all. But when we start to press in and we want to go deeper into the Lord, that's when we can expect the enemy to attack us and in many, many different ways. And so it was interesting that when Rob asked us to bring the word this morning, um, one of the scriptures is... Something that we've been hearing a lot of over the last month or so from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 13. And I'll just remind you what that says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. And just a couple of notes on that, that I wanted to bring out on those uh, verses before we get into the message was twice here, Paul says, put on. There's no mention of taking the armour off. I know we sing that song that Bunja taught us recently about putting your God suit on. Yes, we put it on, but we don't take it off. We wear that God suit all the time, day and night, especially at night. Don't take it off when you go to bed, because at, at night time, very often, that's when spiritual attacks will come, when we're tired, when we're, when we're um, just half awake, or even sometimes in our dreams. And also, there's three times in those verses that Paul tells us that we need to stand. No soldier in battle would ever dream of fighting from a relaxed sitting or laying down position. Effective spiritual warfare requires us to be spiritually on our feet, always alert, armed, disciplined, and faithfully holding our position. And also notice that we're never, ever called to fight each other or any human being. Our spiritual battle is against Satan and his demonic army. Paul even lists various ranks, doesn't he, in this scripture, of this opposing army. And all of them have specific skill sets, and they're all literally hell-bent on distracting, attacking, wounding, crippling, with the intent of destroying the people of God and thwarting their purpose on the earth. So the moment we become part of God's kingdom of light, we become soldiers in a spiritual battle against the kingdom of darkness. So this morning, I want to focus for a couple of minutes just on two pieces of armour, and this time not what they're called, not what part of the body they protect, but how to use them effectively in our everyday lives. 
Verse 17 just says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's interesting, and it's not by coincidence, that Paul links these two pieces of armour together. Um, and we'll look at that connection in a bit. But for now, I want to concentrate on exploring how the Bible teaches us to use the sword of the Spirit. The sword is the only attacking or offensive component of our spiritual armour. Everything else is either worn on the body or it's used defensively to protect us. If you've ever watched The Three Musketeers or similar swashbuckling movies, you'll know that a sword is an extremely effective weapon in hand-to-hand -hand combat. But it's completely useless if it remains in its scabbard or, or strapped to our side. It has to be wielded if it is to achieve results and successfully fend off an attack. If your enemy is running towards you intent on bringing you down, you're not going to survive very long by just standing your ground with your sword safely strapped to your side. It's no good a soldier thinking, well, I've got my sword with me. I know it's sharp. I know it's effective and powerful. I've spent lots of time polishing it. I've made sure it's not rusty or blunt. A sword has no power at all unless it's put to use. In 1 Peter, we read, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith. So how do we use this powerful weapon God has given us to resist and defeat the enemy of our souls? How do we become skillful and effective spiritual swordsmen and women? Well, of course, yes, first it's vital for a soldier to keep his sword honed and sharp, rust-free and ready for battle, to familiarise himself with how it feels in his hand, how heavy it is, how to hold it correctly, how to wield it effectively. The Bible is full of scriptures about using swords. Two of them, one in Psalm 149, it, it talks about God's people having his high praises in their mouth that we've been We've sung songs about that this morning, haven't we? Um, and that high praise in our, in our mouth and the double-edged sword in our hands enables us to get victory over the enemy. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. So as I was praying over this scripture, I felt the Lord giving me three keys as it were, to effective spiritual swordsmanship. And the first one is to meditate. The first step in learning to use our spiritual sword is actually by opening its pages and reading. And not merely reading a passage of scripture and then putting it down, but taking time to meditate on what we've read. Asking Holy Spirit to speak to us through the words that we've read. It's important, and I really can't stress this enough, to ask the Holy Spirit to show us which passages he wants us to read. He knows what attacks are likely to come our way on any given day or season in our lives. He's way better than any radar or advanced warning system at pinpointing when a spiritual attack is imminent, which direction it's likely to come from, what form it's going to take. And if we follow his leading, he will show us exactly what part of God's word we need to get deep into our souls in preparation for the attack. Which scriptures we'll need to stand on by faith. He is our counsellor 
our teacher and our guide. In John 16, verse 3, Jesus said, Not only will the Holy Spirit guide us into all truth, but he will tell us what is to come. Following a preset daily Bible reading plan is a good discipline. It's brilliant. Do it. But asking the Holy Spirit to personally guide you to what he wants us to read is vitally important. And all of this should be part of our daily sword cleaning, honing, sharpening, and practice routine. Remember, I said earlier that it's no coincidence that Paul joined together the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit in this scripture. What does a helmet do? Well, we know it protects our head, our brain, our mind, the area of our body that God specifically designed to process thoughts, to make decisions, to reason, to read, understand, and memorize. I like to think of the helmet of salvation as a kind of holy filter, that through this filter of salvation, our minds are protected from deception, confusion, from uninvited, unsanctified thoughts that are sent like arrows towards our minds from the evil one. Have you ever settled down to read the Bible? I know I have, and found yourself being subtly distracted, your concentration drifting, doubts creeping in, other business of the day suddenly screaming for your attention, or a sudden sense of confusion like, I just don't really understand what I'm reading. The helmet of salvation not only protects our minds from these kind of enemy attacks, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, it helps us to interpret, understand, memorize, and apply those living words that he specifically directed us to read. So meditate on the word of God. That's a vital key to being able to use it effectively as a sword. And then secondly, memorize. Deuteronomy 11, 18, God said to Israel, fix these words of mine in your hearts and your minds. David said in Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the word of God is like food for our spiritual bodies. And Colossians chapter 3, Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If we store up the word of God in our hearts by meditating on it and memorizing specific scriptures that the Holy Spirit highlights to us, then we'll be able to pull them up from our internal spiritual storehouse the instant they're needed. We may not always have a physical copy of the Bible with us when an enemy attack comes, but if we've committed certain verses to memory, we have an instant, deep resource to tap into when it's needed. We may not have time to dig out our concordances to look up a relevant Bible verse to deal with what we're facing. But if we faithfully store the word up in our hearts, we can rely on Holy Spirit to bring exactly what we need to our memory in an instant. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings forth good things out of the good stored up in him. And we don't need to be afraid that we'll forget those things we've stored up in our hearts. Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will remind us of everything he has said to us. 
And I thought it was wonderful this morning that Rachel mentioned about the young people and how God brought out of their hearts Bible words, Bible teachings, Bible stories that they'd never even read. The Holy Spirit is able to bring things into your memory and help you to speak them out when you need them. We all know the story, oh sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. And then to the third thing, we've had meditate, we've had memorize, and the third key is to declare. And I, I believe this is the most important of these keys. The spiritual significance of the spoken word, of, of declaring, not just reading, but actually speaking it out with your mouth. From the beginning of creation, the story in Genesis 1, God said, let there be light. He spoke creation into being. And consistently throughout the Bible, Old and New Testaments, there are many, many scriptures that teach us the importance of the word of God in our mouths. Declaring his word out loud in faith is a basic yet absolutely vital principle in spiritual warfare. We know, don't we, the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. Our words have power to bless and to curse. So if our words have that much power, how much more powerful is God's word when we speak it out in faith? Jesus himself showed us how to use the sword of the Spirit, the spoken word of God, in his mouth to defeat the enemy. We all know, don't we, the story of the temptation in the wilderness. While he'd, he'd been fasting for 40 days and nights, he was in human flesh. He was, he was humanly, physically, in a weakened state. And then suddenly Jesus is engaged on full-on spiritual battle, spiritual combat with the enemy. And I, I noticed that I'd never even thought of this before, but the devil was so cunning and so devious and so evil that he actually tried to use the word of God in his mouth. He actually used scripture to torment and to taunt and to tempt Jesus. But the word had no power in Satan's mouth. As he was mocked and taunted and tempted by the devil three times, Jesus' immediate response was to parry with his sword, expertly using the spoken word to defeat him. Jesus struck the enemy three powerful blows with the words, it is written. And as he quoted the word, it demolished the devil's attack. He had no answer. The double-edged sword put the devil to flight. Jesus knew the word. He'd studied it. He'd meditated on it. He'd memorized it. And he knew its power to defeat the devil. What a wonderful example that is of using the word of God. So how do we recognize an enemy attack? Well, it might be something obvious, an attack on our health or on our finances, our personal or family relationships. It might be a hurtful word or an action by someone else, a false accusation that stings, a prideful or a sinful thought, a whispered temptation to do or say something ungodly. It might be a fear, an anxiety or doubt and unbelief. Or a situation that causes intimidation to rise up inside us. There are many, many, many ways the enemy comes against us. 
And just as a swordsman learns the techniques of parrying, blocking, lunging, and attacking, so the Holy Spirit will train us in how to deftly use the sword of the Spirit to counter every attack, every battle that we face. He's given us his precious word, the most effective, powerful spiritual weapon in the universe. It is quite literally everything we need. Within its pages are countless examples of individuals who used the word of God to great effect to silence the enemy, including, as we've just looked at, the Lord Jesus himself. God has filled his word with clear instructions of how we as soldiers of the army of God are to prepare and protect and arm ourselves for the spiritual battles we'll surely face. And he's given us the precious Holy Spirit as our personal trainer. So let's go boldly forward into battle. Amen. In these last days, fully armed, fully alert, full of confidence in this mighty sword of the Spirit to accomplish victory against every evil attack. Remember, within the pages of God's Word, there is an answer that we can speak out. There's a verse in Scripture that we can use against every attack of the enemy. And I, I actually took some time, and I won't go through them all this morning, but if any of you guys want to know some of the scriptures the Lord showed me, he gave me scriptures that I can use when my health is being attacked. I know Neil and I, as you know, Neil has been very poorly, and God has completely healed him. Hallelujah. But we needed to use the word of God many, many times to speak out against that um, health battle that Neil was, was facing. So attacks against our finances, attacks of doubt and unbelief, attacks of fear and anxiety, attacks on our families or our homes, various temptations, when we feel intimidated, when we're falsely accused, when we're just weary from the fight. There are scriptures that we can, that we can bring up out of that storehouse that God has put in us as we've meditated on his word, and we can use that to attack the enemy, and we will win. So I'd like to close with these verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So rise up, mighty army. Remember, we're never fighting alone. He is constantly at work on our behalf shielding us, protecting, strengthening, exposing deeds of darkness, bringing to light what we need to know, covering us from the cruel attacks we face even when we're unaware. He takes our weakness and gives us his strength. Let's ask his forgiveness for the times we've been unprepared, too busy to train or trying to fight and wrestle in our own strength. Through his word, he has given us authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. Greater is he that is in us than he that, that is in the world. May our trust and confidence be always in him and in his word. It is written. Amen. Amen. Amen.